0: Hi, I'm Nick Gill, International Strength and Conditioning Coach. I've been working with the All Blacks for the past 15 years and have been part of two successful Rugby World Cups. I love to coach rugby players and I love to see them succeed on and off the field and now I can be part of your rugby journey. Rugby Ready is my way of sharing my knowledge and experience with the greater rugby community through our online coaching platforms, our training programs and our educational
1: resources. This week's episode is brought to you by Perform. Perform gives you the blueprint for success. Your monthly membership unlocks unlimited access to all of our in-season, off-season, and preseason training program tracks, as well as educational resources, so you can train to be the best. All you have to do is show up and put in the work. Go to www.rugbyready.ca perform and use the code RR20 to save 20% off your first month of training. Welcome to the Rugby Ready Podcast. In last week's episode, Gilly covered the first two of his six big rocks, sleep and nutrition. If you missed it, we highly recommend going back and listening in. This week, we're looking at rocks three and four, which are periodized strength and injury prevention and conditioning. So Gilly, rock number three, periodized strength and injury prevention. First of all, what is periodization? Periodization
0: yeah good question it's a it's a word that's thrown around pretty um, pretty loosely in, in in the strength and conditioning world and and I suppose that um, the the basic definition is is a structured program of peaks and troughs um, and whether there is a linear periodization as in there is a gradual linear in, increase in load or volume and intensity um, you know is is basically dependent on the sport, the needs of the individual, the competition—you um, know—even just the variable you're trying to improve. Um, so, so for me, it's just a, a, a sensible way of loading and unloading the system, and allowing adequate time for recovery and adaptation
1: why like in your experience why like why should players follow a periodized plan because i know that i've seen when i've started working with an athlete you ask for their training journal and you see it's kind of a, a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of stuff and there's not much structure in place so how is this more beneficial
0: well i think it's it's a good question you know is it more beneficial um i think the key word you use there tyler is is structure um i think structure routine um, and and some a, a clear direction. That's what any good program should be working towards. Is as an outcome or a performance. Um, and and so long as we have some measurable um, metrics along the way, um, and this element of common sense, um, then really what we're after, in my opinion, is structure that is addressing all the key components. That's going to allow you to, I suppose. Um, um, perform on the park in the weekend.
1: So what are those key components that go into a periodized training program?
0: Oh, well, basically, you know, the, the the basic principles are frequency, um, intensity, duration, um, which obviously, you know, combine to be load. Um, but, but, you know, like if we're talking about rugby players and we're talking about periodization or structure, um, you know each person is going to have a little bit of a different emphasis in different times of the week on different components because the tricky thing with periodization is what are you periodizing are you periodizing the volume the intensity the load um all of the above you know how do you quantify the stress of a weight a weight session uh, versus a speed session versus a rugby training session you know, do you periodize collision load? What are we actually periodizing? So I think it's actually very complicated. But yes. like anything, um, keeping it simple is by far the most effective long-term approach. Um, so so really, for, for me, in, in, in my role and, and through my experiences, I, I sort of look at a lot of, a lot of the stuff we do is about time on feet um, with, you know, the volume of high-intensity work within the week um how much time we're spending on 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 actually becoming a better rugby player rather than just being a better physical specimen um you know and and then how do we incorporate things like sleep travel how many minutes you played in the weekend all those things get thrown in the pot and and really it's just a matter of trying to sit back and go okay so so what's really important this week for me if this is my routine and if i'm in a big i'm in a heavy loaded week or i'm in a light week you know, how can I still be making sure I'm doing all the things I need to regularly to become a better player?
1: It's really helpful. And just to circle back a little bit, for those who don't know, what is volume and intensity? Like, is intensity how hard you're pushing in the set, like how physically intense you are? Is it how the weights feel? How do you define those? Yeah, well, intensity,
0: again, good question. And and, and none of this is really, really simple, actually, Tyler, because you know intensity in um in the gym is is pretty easy it's about in my in my mind at least it's um how close you are to your maximum so if we're talking about a hundred percent or one r m load then intensity is about a percentage of that typically and then how many reps we're doing at that intensity um you know that that brings into the volume component but but then if we talk about running you know. Intensity is about, I suppose, the, the speed you're running or the effort um, of you that, that you're running is, is performed at and for how long, you know. And so, so you know, a three-second sprint or a, a maximal acceleration into a maximal deceleration versus, a, a, you know, just a basic skill session where you're never running faster than 50% maximum velocity. Um, all those things are very different. Um, in terms of intensity, um, and so you know, it's, it's again, it's it's a matter of making sure that the training you are doing is 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 about achieving some outcomes or some improvements that are going to allow you to attain your goals. You know, so so for me, if I was a rugby player right now, um, you know, or or when I was a rugby player, you know, for me, it's all about being the fittest guy in the park. So being able to repeat tasks at a high intensity. Um, and be effective in those tasks, so I needed to be strong, and I needed to have some good muscle mass behind me. Um, and so, you know, really, all I'm saying there is good anaerobic anaerobic ability, good aerobic ability to recover and repeat, and obviously a good training ethic in the gym where I was strong and holding good muscle mass. And so, so then it was a matter of figuring out, well, how do how do I, or how how do does an athlete like myself um, respond to different training stimulus and what's too much, what's not enough um, to be able to maintain or to make a gain. And, and every person has got different physiology and different genetics. So, so the program, if I gave you a program, Bucky, how you respond to it would be really different to how another person responds to it. Mm-hmm. And so, so the periodization comes into how you structure the key elements within the week for each person um and what they need based on their training age um their injury history their um i suppose their other life stresses um you know because how you adapt and how you tolerate different loadings um can be dramatically affected by your your other activities you do in your life whether that's working or not sleeping or you know you're a young you're a young mum or dad and you're only getting six hours a night all those things have to come into play when you're putting towards a putting together the structure or this periodized plan.
1: So with, with our perform members in mind, they all follow based on their, their program track there there. We have programs available for them. And let's say we have two athletes following the same program. They now know they're going to be responding differently to that program. How do they know when it's time to make modifications? So say for instance, you're in week four, Training is very intense. The volume's high, but they've had a crap sleep. They're having a stressful week.
0: What do they do? Um, well, the thing that the thing that I like to recommend to athletes, and I, I do do it with with players I work with at the moment, is um, never try and catch up on a workout. You know, so for example, if you're in week four and you've had a bad sleep and you're just absolutely exhausted, then you have to make a good decision, and and it's not about. It's not about being lazy, but make a good decision. Do you need to nail that training session today? Um, that's a really hard session, even though you're actually not in a great state physically. Um, do you just do the session and reduce the intensity or do you just have a day off and kick back into training tomorrow? <clears throat> and, and I think that, you know, um, to make gains, to make improvements, for the body to adapt, consistency is key. And so, I don't ever want anyone to miss a session. <clears throat> um, but if you need to for a specific reason, so be it. Don't try and catch up; just come straight back into the program as per. Um, and sometimes you'll find that that day off, while you'll feel bad about it later, you know, by missing that session, you'll be kicking yourself because you because I missed a session. Now I'm not going to be as good as I could have been. Sometimes you'll you'll get huge benefits from actually making a good decision, and you'll feel way better the next day or the next week. So, so I think it's a matter of really just being smart, being committed, trying to get some consistency, um, but also, you know, not trying to flog a dead horse.
1: And how do you measure then? So you, you have this in place, right? The player starts to understand how to modify their training based on the stress of life. How do they define success in their training? Is it based on the numbers? Like if their squats going up, their bench press...
0: Well, obviously most of us love to see all those numbers going up um and and i think um if you're training really hard numbers won't keep going up because you'll be building a level of fatigue and so that's where the periodization or that the easy weeks or the easy days come into play like some people might think oh this is an easy day today oh, i might push i might push myself a bit harder than the program says but but often when we do that, we're not actually letting the program do the work and we're not giving the, the body a chance to adapt. So so I think it's really a matter of understanding when you want to be hitting improvements in your numbers versus expecting them every single day. Um, mm. I think when most of us start training, you know, we definitely make improvements really, really quickly. And every day you just the bars the bars getting heavier every day. I'm I'm running fast every day. You know you're running further, and at the same time, you know you have just seen these improvements, and it becomes a little bit addictive, and you just love it. But but you can't expect that all the time, especially as volume and intensity goes up. Um, you then need to pull back a little bit, and the program should be unloading you for the for, for the body to really, um, I suppose, reflect its its its, its prior training that you that you've done over the last four, six, eight, ten weeks.
1: And is that does that then apply then to say off season? pre-season and the in-season approach like when an athlete's in season their focus should be on being prepared for a Saturday and not necessarily getting stronger
0: oh totally totally like I think um you know if you're a strength athlete and all you're worried about is getting stronger then then you know your performance is within the training within the training arena of the gym and so you're trying to get stronger And each session you've got it there's a there's a reason or a method to to your trajectory of strength, um, but if you wanting to be a better rugby player, like that's the that's why I love the game so much because you know so many you need to be good in so many areas physically, um, and not only do you need to be in so, so good in so many areas physically, but you need to have amazing skill sets and amazing understanding of a very complicated game. And no matter your shape or your size, there is a role that you'll be very good at. And so, so the games are—you know—it's it's incredibly challenging to to get an an awesome performance every week um, as an individual athlete. And so, so everything you're doing during the week should be about trying to be better on Saturday. And and whether that's how you sleep, how you eat, um, you know, how you lift in the gym, are you are you are you strong enough? And therefore, what you're trying to do is maintain strength. And so, all you're trying to do when you're going to the gym is to to stay strong and to keep lean mass, you know, maybe that's all you're doing in in season. Um, Maybe in season and games you're feeling like the last 20 minutes you're fading a little bit. So, so then it's like within my week or then I need to, I need to put in a little bit of extra work at the front end to allow me to repeat tasks for 80 minutes, not just repeat tasks for 60 minutes, you know, and so some of that comes out of a game because your performance is giving you a direction. and so. You can't plan. You can't periodize for that. You can't plan for that because you, you haven't played the game yet, you know. So you've got to play the game, reflect on the performance. Okay, where am I feeling good? Where am I not feeling good? Am I getting dominated in the collision? Why am I getting dominated? Is it because my body height is too high or is it because I'm weak? And everyone will say it's because I'm weak or I'm too small. But actually, there's a lot of small, small, weak rugby players out there that are very good in the contact area because their body height is better. You know so so I think understanding the the intricate details of the performance on the field is is really where putting a putting a program together comes into play
1: so there's really no perfect approach then it's a case case by case I like that
0: oh absolutely, and I don't know many sports where where um case by case isn't um isn't actually how you get success because. You know we're complicated organisms us humans and um, we got a lot of we got a lot of lot of stuff going on in our own lives and and the body's you know gonna respond in so many different ways based on who you and
1: i are absolutely now let's let's switch gears a little bit and so sticking with this big rock um talk about prehab so first of all in order to to understand like what to prehab for I guess we've got to build backwards and understand what the most common rugby related injuries are.
0: Yeah. pregame's interesting, isn't it? Like um, there was a, there was a phrase thrown around a long time ago. Um, I I don't use that phrase anymore, but um, it's pretty common and it's, you know, it's, it's meant to be the, the um, it's meant to come before rehabilitation. So you're trying to prevent an injury. And so you're trying to address I call them modifiable risk factors is the first thing, which is, as you said, Bucky, what are common injuries in rugby union? And 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 you know, typically calf calf strains are common, hamstring strains are common. So calf strains in in our in our big athletes that are pushing, um, hamstring strains in our in our running athletes, um, such as the backs, or the athletes that are that are getting over the ball in a jackal position. Um you know we have concussion is quite um, quite common, and so having a strong, stiff neck is important. Um, you know, shoulders—the shoulders are where we make all our tackles and have all our hits—and it's a, a very shallow ball and socket joint. So, so having armour around the shoulder is really important. Um, and and you know, obviously, they are the key. I suppose muscular focuses. Um, and then we've got the the joint focuses, you know, unstable ankles, you know, ankle strains are common, um, knee knee injuries are common, um, and and are probably the the five or six key areas that that are always front of mind for me.
1: So when it comes to prevention, like something that I found crazy, like looking back in time, there was a player called uh, Brian Lima, the chiropractor was his nickname because he hit so hard. And you looked – I'm just using this guy as an example. You looked at his traps, the muscles like on either side of his neck, and they were huge. He looked like a bodybuilder. Because an athlete has big muscles, like visibly large muscles, does that necessarily mean they're at a lower risk of injury? Um, Well, it
0: depends on how you're made, Um, you know, because some people – some people have, you know, we've got a player at the moment that's just done his third ACL, and right. and he just he's he's just very prone to ACLs by the sounds of it. His knees are made a certain way. Um, right. Brian Lima, the chiropractor, he had massive traps, um, and it probably did allow him to come off better than the people he hit because he had so much muscle around his shoulders, you know. So. And that's what I was saying about the armor around the shoulders. If you if you've got a ball and socket joint and it's that's your shoulder there and it's there's no muscle around it, then the chances of that that humerus popping out of that that socket is is very high. But if that's surrounded by bulk muscle that's stiff and tight around that shoulder shoulder girdle, um or shoulder capsule, then chances of that that bone popping out or dislocating is is lower. So so I think um, the short answer to your answer, yes, Brian Lima probably was less prone to shoulders than the people he hit. Um, but it doesn't mean that having big traps is the answer um, because everyone's going to be different and how that shoulder functions. And, you know, like like some people have really lax joints, um, really loose joints, so they can, things can pop out and pop back in really easily and it's not a problem. Um, you know, and, and lots of people have that with fingers. And, um, I mean... Some people roll ankles really easily, but but they never swell because the damage there's never damage done. They've just got a loose ankle. So so I think the key thing is identifying the risk factors, which I touched on. But then the thing I didn't touch on is actually your injury history is is massively important because um past injury is the best predictor of future injury. And so you know, if you have severely or or had a major ankle injury and you've got an ankle that's you know it's not very healthy because it's weak because some tendons or ligaments have have been loosened Um, then for the rest of your athletic career you need to be making sure you keep that ankle strong and stable by constantly rehabilitating it Um, because if you don't the ankle might be okay but you might then um, start landing funny when you're running and overload a knee which then turns into a tendonitis through the back of the knee, which then, because you're having to favor that knee, you then start loading the other side of your body and you strain a calf muscle. And so it's simply because I didn't look after that other ankle. So I think the key thing is making sure that any previous injuries you've had, you're constantly keeping them healthy because they were were in your past and they were a problem and they could be a problem if you don't keep on top of them.
1: So it just comes back to what we said earlier then about periodization is it's totally individualized what you do for mitigating the risk of injury.
0: Totally. You know, like if you've got, if you've got prior ankle issues, then part of your program, part of your structure is ankle. You know, if you've, if you've got a history of doing calf muscles, well, unfortunately you're going to have to keep your calf strong for the rest of your life. Um, You know, if you've had a shoulder reconstruction, then, You just because you've had an operation doesn't mean that shoulder or your other shoulder are no longer prone to injury. You need to keep that shoulder healthy by constantly keeping it strong and doing your
1: rehab. That's great to know. Now, we're going to slide in. Usually, we do an asculate at the end of the show, but this one related to injury prevention. So, one of our perform members, Tony, asked, When is the best time to do my prehab work and how much time should he dedicate to it?
0: Yeah, well, um, good question. Um, I suppose the short answer is it depends on how much you got to do, um, but also um, how you train in the gym. So, So for me, I like to prescribe some injury prevention, rehab work at the start of a workout, but not all of it, because all of a sudden you've been going for 30 minutes and you haven't even started getting strong. Mm-hmm. Um, i think a better use of time is to do your rehab in your in in your rest periods of your main sets so for example you know you're squatting heavy and let's say you're on a you know you're on a, a you do four sets of three repetitions and you're you know you're at ninety percent of your one r m so you lift them pretty heavy um and to be able to repeat those sets uh, you you'd have got a four minute rest period. Well, what a great way to use four minutes why don't we do our um, calf rehab and our neck strength and all of a sudden that four minutes isn't spent sitting down looking around the sights in the gym but you're actually doing some work in between your rest period while you're getting ready to squat heavy again um, some people like to focus and and just use that rest period to think about the next big lift get that no problem then do your rehab between your secondary or ter- tertiary lifts you know the lifts that aren't your core or your or your or your your bread and butter. So, in that session, it might be leaving your rest period between your big squats um, to just freshen up and get ready for the next big set of squats. And when you go and do your Bulgarian's or single leg work, you might throw your neck and your calf work in between those and do a triple set, something like that. So, I think you're you're better off using some of your rest periods to work on injury prevention um, and superset them, than then doing it all at the start, all at the end. You know, typically. You know, physiotherapists prescribe, you know, give athletes pages of exercises to do. and
1: Yeah.
0: And, it's and like
1: an hour, right?
0: Oh, you know, and the first thing athletes don't do is their injury prevention because it's not sexy and they don't see it as being something that's going to help with performance. But if it's part of the performance program and it's within your rest period, then you, you're going to do it because you know it's going to keep you on the park and it's going to help you be a better player.
1: Perfect. So you heard that right from Gilly. Build it into your program, do it while you rest. All right, Big Rock number four, conditioning. So what is conditioning as it relates to rugby? What does that mean? Well,
0: (laughs) there's some tough questions tonight, Bucky. Holy. Um, Mate, I think conditioning for me is, um, you know, being able to, you know, any player – that's that wants to play the game of rugby union, being able to express themselves physically, um, technically, tactically, on the park for the time they're on it. Okay, so I, I've put that last bit in there about for the time they're on it because nowadays, you know, props props are playing about fifty minutes of rugby a, a weekend. Um, gone are the days of props playing eighty. It doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, at least not international level. Um, and, and so, you know, basically every person on the field has a job to do. Um, and and every player wants to do the job for their teammates because they're part of a, a system, a part of a team, where if you don't do your job well, then the team can't perform well. And so, you know, conditioning is about having the engine to be able to do your job and express yourself in your role um, out in the park. And so, for everyone or every position that's slightly different um you know, conditioning it for a prop is about being able to scrummage effectively, nail your set piece, and then move quickly to your next role. Repeat the next task effectively, get to your feet, move to the position for your next role or job or task and so um you know it's about being able to nail your task and then being able to get in the position. To do another task and that's what i meant earlier about repeated efforts you know it's about repeated efforts but those efforts are different for different people on the on the field a repeated effort for a back is often running fast with a short rest and running fast again for varying distances 5 10 20 50 60 80 meters and so conditioning is about for that athlete that running athlete is actually about high speed running and repeat efforts of high-speed running. Um, you know, they might only make five tackles. So that that collision fitness and that being able to repeat the collision or repeat the tackle is different to a prop who has to scrummage, clean rucks, carry ball, tackle. You know, so, mm-hmm. so conditioning is about figuring out the key role on the field for that person, for that player, for that position, um, and then understanding how we can build the engine to repeat tasks or repeat efforts
1: so where does where does aerobic conditioning fit into the mix because i i can't tell you and i used to do it too like how many athletes i see you ask them well what are you doing what are you doing right now for your conditioning well twice a week i run 5ks flat out right so what does effective aerobic conditioning look like so these athletes can do these jobs and recover in between the efforts yeah, so um, a good question because
0: you know, like, no, not many rugby players run five k on the field flat out. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty non-specific, right? Um, but I understand the need to have an aerobic system or an aerobic en- um, engine to help you recover, and and you need that as a base fitness. But but that would be something I'd be doing in the off season, the preseason, and um, the competition season you know, it should be about more high-intensity repeated efforts mm. um, because a lot of your aerobic work in the in-season happens at rugby training. If you think about catch and pass, learning your roles in the lineouts, you know, jogging through moves and plays, that's aerobic. You're getting your aerobic energy system development just by being on the park practicing rugby. Um, and, but you're not necessarily getting that high-intensity repeat effort Work in unless your training your team's training at a high intensity um, right. often, and so you know the aerobic stuff is really really important. And some people like some athletes need to do it um, during their competition week just to keep the aerobic system tuned up, in in loaded and stimulated. But again, it comes to the individual. Um, you know, a lot of athletes will will, will do aerobic work to. Um, to allow them to eat um, a little bit more good food, and the only way they can eat good food is if they keep up, stay on the bike to try and burn some calories, right? So, so often people will be doing doing some aerobic work because they they're not doing things right in other areas of their life. So, um, but it's but but there is a difference between aerobic and anaerobic, obviously, and mm-hmm. it's just intensity that's different. Um, you know, I know that some athletes, if I've got some athletes, some running athletes that aren't recovering very quickly between repeat efforts, then I might prescribe some longer aerobic efforts to try and build some aerobic base to allow them to recover quicker. Um, Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So then I might, if it doesn't work, then I might try actually doing some repeated efforts with some longer, longer rest. So we're actually truly looking at speed endurance. Um, So yeah, there's different ways of trying to address different things, but But the aerobic system and the anaerobic system, generally most players out on the park are are working anaerobically. You know, it's it's an intense game with repeat tasks, Um, you know, and heart rates reflect that. Heart rates are through the roof for most rugby players for 80 minutes.
1: How do you measure the effectiveness of your conditioning training? Does that look like, you know, every four weeks you test your Bronco time? Like, what do you do?
0: well if if um if I was involved in a long pre season and an off season i'd be a, i'd be probably assessing some of those numbers yeah every four weeks six weeks depending mm-hmm. on the length of your your off season pre season and then in season um I'd only be assessing those things in bi weeks if there was bi weeks if there wasn't bi weeks then i'd be I'd be assessing fitness by performance on the field you know and 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 are you as an individual running out of puff and not not as effective in the 75th minute as you were in the fifth minute, you know? And, and if that's the case, then what what can we change in season when we've only got six days, seven days between games? Um, and, and sometimes the answer isn't in doing more. If you're fading away in the back end of a game, it could be because you've been doing too much during the week and you've come in a bit tired. So, you know, understanding and, and, and experimenting a little bit with, With that routine of the competition week to understand what makes you feel awesome on game day and play out of your skin for 80 minutes. As soon as you figure that out, you reflect on the week that you had, and it's like, well, there's my periodized plan for the week. I'm going to repeat that for the next four or five weeks. And then if I start to see a drop off in performance again, I might have to review things and have a look at what I need to change or add or tweak. And that would be my fitness test. Hmm.
1: So it's not even about the numbers; it's about the performance again, because you hear you hear that so often, right? It's it's all about the numbers. You got to compete, right? You got to
0: oh, in competition, it's about your performance on Saturday, yeah. You know, like like the numbers, as I said before, you can have you can have the strongest, you can have the I could have the strongest prop in world rugby with me right now. It doesn't mean he's the best prop in the world.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So the numbers are part of the puzzle. It's a it's a complicated beast, the rugby player, and 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 some numbers um are really important for some people and other numbers are really important for other people. And so it's understanding what numbers produce that performance for you as an individual.
1: And where, Gilly, where does off-feet conditioning fit into the mix?
0: Yeah, off feet conditioning, we you know, I've used a lot of that in the past and it's it's um not in the past, I do now. Um it's important because you know sometimes you know, we can't there's only so much we can do on the field um without increasing the risk of soft tissue injury through too much load through the feet right um, so this is where the term off feet comes into play where you're continuing to develop to develop the the fitness of the energy system without the increased risk of injury through um the lower body or through running load. Um, and so for me, if if we identify the need for someone to be better at repeat tasks, um, then we might we might be doing you know circuits off feet, meaning you know burpees, assault bikes, boxing, cycle cycling sprints, you know you name it, um, body weight circuits. So again, just depends on the need, you know the tasks that the person needs to get better repeating, um, and sort of durations and intensities that, that we're wanting to sort of see a shift in. Um, But that's off feet are really important to get extra work in if you're feeling like that's the difference for you on Saturday.
1: But so just to sum that up then, so then that does not necessarily mean that off feet conditioning can or should replace running and speed work, right? You want to prioritize that and then add in the off feet?
0: Totally. Off off feet condition to me is like supplements, nutrition supplements. Get your mm-hmm. get your on field running specific fitness nailed as a priority, just like nailing your your basic nutrition. And you know you are sprinkling your off feet just like you'd sprinkle in supplements. It's it's a it's a, it's to supplement your your perfect training week. It's not to replace things, but if things have to be replaced because you've got a sore ankle, off feet's fantastic. Um, you know, so so it's purely a supplement to sprinkle on to sprinkle over the top.
1: That's great, Gilly. Well, you've done a great job covering uh these two topics. And next week for those listening, Gilly's gonna be talking about recovery and skill set and game understanding. we uh I know I'm excited for that episode.
0: Awesome, mate. Hey, well, thanks for having me again, Tyler. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a dark, dark, rainy, stormy night here in Wales. So um thanks for having me again and
1: um, we'll see you next week eh? you bet take care
0: cheers brother thank you
1: thanks for listening to this week's episode of the rugby ready podcast we hope you enjoyed the episode and appreciate your support please subscribe to the pod leave us a review and send us your questions on the ask Ily web form at www.rugbyready.ca